February 21st is President's Day, and uh, President's Month is this month. And next Saturday is Lincoln's birthday. We all know a lot about Lincoln as a president and about some of the stories about his administration and, of course, his assassination. But he was a lawyer, and he practiced law for a long time. And I thought we'd focus a little bit upon that part of his life. And with us is a legal historian who uh, is the executive director of the Illinois Supreme Court Historic Preservation Commission, John Lupton. He is also the uh, author of a book on the law practice of Abraham Lincoln. Welcome to the show, John. How are you? Hi, Karen. Thanks for having me. So, John, you and I go back a while. Um, for our listeners, I used to own a house in a town called Petersburg, Illinois, which was known as New Salem back there, and that is actually where Abraham Lincoln studied law. Isn't that right? Yeah, Lincoln studied in New Salem, but uh, regarding Petersburg, when he was a surveyor, he platted the town of Petersburg. That's right, and I always told everyone my house was surveyed by Abraham Lincoln. It must have been, right? <laughs> it must have been. It must have been. Okay, so let's, you know, we, there a lot of uh, our presidents have been uh, lawyers. Interesting, of the 46 presidents we've had, 27 of them have practiced law, including Joe, Joe Biden, more than half. Um, is But... but President Lincoln had a very long and pretty good career as a lawyer. Would you say that that's true, John? Yes, that is true. He Did he practice law longer than other presidents that you're aware of? Or it just seems like 25 years is a long time to practice law. Um, yeah, I mean, there were presidents that had their law licenses longer than Lincoln, um, but really very few of them had like a sustained legal career like Lincoln did. Um, I mean, most of these lawyer presidents probably use the law as like a, a stepping stone to right. a political career. Right. Um, but I would say if there is one president who had a similar legal trajectory as Lincoln, it would be Benjamin Harrison, of all people. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Um, so let's talk about how Abraham Lincoln became a lawyer. What was the process that he used to to get his uh, J.D., so they say? Um, Well, at the time, there were very few law schools. Uh, The closest ones to Illinois were in Lexington, Kentucky and Cincinnati. Um, But what most prospective attorneys did is they would read law with an established attorney. So that means you would just be an apprentice in a uh, law firm for about two or three years or so. And when you thought you had enough knowledge to be a lawyer, you would take an oral exam. Uh, before the Illinois Supreme Court or a committee that the Supreme Court uh, created for that purpose. Um, but Lincoln actually didn't do that either. <clears throat> so he didn't go to law school and he didn't uh, read law with an established attorney. Um, in 1834, he was actually considering whether, you know, what to do with his life. He's 25 years old. He's living in New Salem. And he says, you know, I either want to be a blacksmith or a lawyer, but I really <laughs> don't have the education to be a lawyer. So, uh, but one of his fellow legislators uh, decided, you know, to kind of take him under his wing and said, you should be a lawyer. Uh, you can borrow my law books, you know, as many as you want. So Lincoln did that. So he, he read through uh, Blackstone, um, Chitty's pleadings, Greenleaf on evidence. And then after doing this for a couple of years, he took his oral exam and became a lawyer. So when you become a lawyer back then, you know, obviously when you're in Chicago, uh, lawyers concentrate their practices in family law or bankruptcy or whatever. But obviously back in those days and in particularly in, in rural areas, you know, the, the lawyer had to kind of take on everything, right? Can you just describe briefly the kinds of cases that Lincoln handled and what kind of cases were maybe in the majority of what he handled? 
Yes, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, hardly any lawyer back then concentrated their practice in one area of law, you know, like you see today. So everyone, including Lincoln, was just a general practice attorney. So in any given term, you know, he could be arguing uh, a divorce case, uh, a debt case, um, mortgage foreclosure, um, assault and battery, you know, just all bang, bang, bang right after one another. Um, and he was uh, he was also known, actually, even though he didn't, like I said, specialize in this, he was kind of known for untangling knotty land cases. Um, and again, this probably goes back to his uh, uh, surveying days. Um, <clears throat> another common uh, people a thing that people believe Lincoln was was a railroad lawyer uh, that he concentrated in the 1850s um, in railroad law. Um, and it's true he did exclusively practice for the Illinois Central Railroad, but uh, we found that he actually opposed railroads in the courtroom as frequently as he represented them. So he was about 50-50 um, uh, in, in regards to uh, representing railroads and against railroads. Which sounds to me like the lawyer who's just trying to make a living, right? You don't pick your sides necessarily. You don't pick the right side. You pick the side who's going to pay your fee. It, it, as a lawyer, John, uh, was Abraham Lincoln successful monetarily? I guess I'll ask that question. And then also, was he successful in getting good results? Um, yeah, monetarily, Lincoln did okay. Um, <clears throat> the law kind of allowed him to live you know, in an upper-middle-class neighborhood in Springfield, uh, he was able to afford uh, live-in help, uh, so maids, um, and he was also able to venture off into politics whenever he needed to or wanted to. So he didn't get rich from the law, um, but he never really had to worry about money. Um, so he he did well enough financially, you know, that obviously paid his bills, uh, was able to afford a nice lifestyle for him, and, you know, like I said, go into politics when he needed to. Um what was your second part of your oh, question? I mean, and was he? Did he get good results? Was he known as a good lawyer? Oh, good results! Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lincoln was really quite, uh, um, yeah, successful as an attorney. Um, you know, he had over five thousand cases over the course of his legal career, wow. um, which is a lot. Um, you know, again, this was over twenty-five years. Um, but yeah, he was he was successful. He he won the cases that he should have won, and probably even won cases that maybe he shouldn't have won. Um, uh, but probably, you know, at least from my perspective, one of the signs of being a very good lawyer is, you know, what kind of uh, referral business you would get. And Lincoln was known as a lawyer's lawyer, actually. So when the Supreme Court and the federal court were held only in Springfield, uh, attorneys from like Chicago or Galena or Cairo or Shawneetown, they would contact Lincoln to handle their cases for them um, at the Supreme Court or at the federal court. We're talking to John Lupton, who is a legal historian and executive director at the Illinois Supreme Court Historic Preservation Commission. And before I take a break, I just want to pitch uh, the uh, Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum. I know you're very affiliated with that, John, and I encourage everyone to go down to Springfield and spend a day, maybe spend an evening and and go there because it's a fabulous, fabulous experience. Uh, Agreed? Absolutely agreed. It's it's probably one of the best museums in the country. I, I really agree. And I've been there probably 10 times. And every time I go, I see something different. There's a new exhibit. Uh, they make it fun. So if you've got kids, they make it fun for the kids. If you're, uh, if you're really an expert on this kind of stuff, you'll learn things. And I, again, highly recommend it. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the interesting cases that Abraham Lincoln handled. You're listening to the Karen County Show on WGN. Welcome back. We're talking about Abraham Lincoln 
the attorney. And we're here with John Lupton, and uh, he's an expert in all things uh, Abraham Lincoln. Um, I guess I just want to ask a little bit about, you know, had had Lincoln survived the presidency, uh, and he's done now with being president, do you think he would have gone back to the practice of law, or do you think he would have done something else? Yeah, uh, when he left for uh, Washington, D.C. in 1861, he told his law partner, Herndon, you know, that he basically to leave the shingle up on the, 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 the law office and he would come back as if nothing had ever happened. Um, and so I think he was, you know, he seemed really content to practice law. So, you know, I don't think that he would have, um, you know, gone on to try, you know, to get a, a judgeship or or even, you know, run for any other office like the U.S. senator or something like that. I think he was content to leave, you know, politics um, to, to the younger generation. Um, he did say one time he wanted to travel. Uh, he wanted to go to Jerusalem, visit the Holy Land. So he probably would have done that. But if I were to guess in the, you know, spring of 1869, when he's done being president and after he gets back from Jerusalem, he probably, uh, and again, this is just speculation on my part, probably would have moved to Chicago and um, uh, probably become like a rainmaker, uh, a rainmaker and uh, argue high profile cases. Which is not an atypical uh, a scenario for for people who serve as governor or president, uh, because they are obviously got name they have a name recognition and uh, can can garner all that business. We've got a caller, Daniel, uh, who says he's a Lincoln Bookshop owner. Hi, Daniel. Welcome to the show. Oh, I guess I guess I hit the button. Hi, um, hi, hi, Daniel. How are you? He, he knows I'm with Abraham Lincoln Bookshop. Uh, 83-year-old uh, antiquarian bookshop here in Chicago. i am been there only 50 years, so I'm the newcomer. Ah. But yeah. I have a couple of uh, things that I'd love to hear, John, uh, you talk about. Sure. Um, one is that, wouldn't you think that six, about 60% of his cases were debt-related? Wouldn't that be probably correct? And, and uh, that's a good question, and I have read a little bit about it, and I, and I just want to clarify, you said debt not death. Yeah, debt, debt right. related. Um, and yeah. yeah, and John, could you answer that question? And, and if if that's the case, why would there be so many debt cases during that time? Yeah, that's a great question. And hello, Dan, Dan, Dan Weinberg, and I go back uh, uh, quite a ways too. So uh, yes, we do. Your voice. Um, but uh, yeah, debt was by far the most prominent part of his practice, um, and I think we've estimated about two thirds um, of his caseload was debt collection. Um, and the reason for that, I mean, it really kind of reflects the economy of the day, um, because back then uh, people had gold and silver as currency, but, you know, they didn't, it wasn't in abundance. And, you know, like paper money um, was really not valued very much. So, you know, like it would be pennies on the dollar, basically. So if you tried to spend a dollar, it might only be valued at 10 cents. So what people did is they used promissory notes as a form of uh, payment. So if if uh, Karen, if I owed you money, instead of giving you cash, I would give you a promissory note that I would pay in six months or a year. Um, and if I did not pay, then you would sue me to collect that debt. Ah, um, and th- those were the kinds of cases that were just in uh, great abundance in Lincoln's time period. Actually, there was an action called a sumsit, um, which is a breach of contract. Uh, so, and th- that's what the promissory note was. It was a contract between two parties. 
it was breached, so they would sue in an action of assumption. Interesting, interesting. Dan, do you have another question for uh, for John? Yeah, first of all, there's uh, a lot of uh, legal documents that are out here. They were sold by clerks a long time ago, and they're out here, and a lot of them are for assumption. I see it all the time in the original Lincoln legal notes. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about is that uh, the the circuit, that which was a legal circuit that he was on, the Eighth Judicial, he really, that's where he found the law. He loved the law always. I mean, excuse me, I'm sorry, politics. He was always interested in the political uh, arena, and that gave him entree to politics and why he could get himself elected, perhaps, is because he met everyone on the circuit. And, and you know, uh, Dan, let me hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, Dan, John. I'm going to put you on hold, and I'm going to let John answer that. And if you could brief, briefly, just briefly, tell us what it means to be on the circuit, because we still have circuit courts. And when you hear that as a lawyer, you just kind of assume it's a circuit court. But there's a real reason for the name circuit. Right, exactly. Um, <clears throat> but what circuit traveling was is that uh, Lincoln was basically gone for two months uh, in the spring and in the fall of every year you know, riding circuit. So it was traveling a 14-county swath of central Illinois. So when one uh, court, let's say, just in Piatt County, uh, finishes up, then he would go on to the next county um, and then have court there for about a week or so, and then move on to the next county and have court there for a week or so. So that's what it meant by traveling the circuit. And uh, as Dan said, you know, this was a very prominent part of Lincoln's legal career. You know, many, many, he had many, many cases um, riding the circuit like that. Um, and, you know, re- relating to Dan's question about, you know, the political aspects of it. Uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, a lot of these um, uh, legal acquaintances that he had or his colleagues that he had on the circuit um, ended up campaigning for him, uh, you know, when he was running for Senate and when he was running for president, because back then, um, presidential candidates did not campaign for themselves. They didn't go out and debate and make speeches and things like that. They had their surrogates do that. Oh. And that's what a lot of his legal uh, colleagues did. And David Davis, of course, who was the judge of the Eighth Judicial Circuit, he was Lincoln's campaign manager in 1860. So he was responsible for packing the wigwam in Chicago, uh, where the Republican National Convention was in May of 1860, uh, packing it full of Lincoln supporters. So anytime Lincoln's name was mentioned, the crowd just roared. And you know uh, that helped Lincoln to gain the nomination and eventually win the presidency. Interesting. Uh, John, there's an, a little story about a murder trial that Abraham Lincoln uh, handled that I find to be very interesting. Could you quickly tell our listeners that story? Yes. Uh, this is a good murder mystery, actually. Right, right. Which, invo- which involved the uh, the uh, Trailer Brothers, um, and the Trailer Brothers. Um, one of them lived in Springfield. One of them lived uh, up by Petersburg, and uh, which is about thirty miles away from Springfield. And then the third brother lived up in Warren County, which is about a hundred miles from Springfield. Um, so the one who lived in Warren County, he uh, his roommate was a man by the name of Fisher. So uh, Trailer and Fisher, they come down to Petersburg, pick up the brother, and then they uh, uh, go to Springfield. So all three brothers can kind of get together. They haven't seen each other in a while. And they brought Fisher with them. Um, <clears throat> so once they got to Springfield, you know, the four men met up. And uh, they ended up, um, you know, having lunch together, all four of them. 
And then uh, after that, they spent the afternoon kind of wondering, you know, in and about Springfield. Um, so at dinner time, the three trailer brothers came back, but Fisher did not. Um, so after about a week or so, uh, you know, there were some questions, you know, hey, what happened to Fisher? But no, none of the trailer brothers, they were kind of clammed up. They didn't say too much. Um, so about a week later, uh, the one brother goes back to Warren County uh, and he didn't bring back Fisher. So, again, people started really asking questions. And this brother said that, well, Fisher was dead and my brothers killed him. Oh. So word of this comes back to Springfield. And it's a, you know, a great, great, as Lincoln said, it's a great excitement. So this is like, you know, the, the O.J. Simpson trial or, um, you know, Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan, it, you know, just that kind of excitement. I'm, and I'm dating myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so, again, word gets back to Springfield and then this massive manhunt for the body uh, begins. So there's hundreds, literally hundreds of people who are looking for Fisher's body. And uh, while they were out there searching they, in this thicket, they found signs of a struggle and it looked like a body had been dragged to a pond. So the searchers ended up draining the pond, but there was no body. So in the meantime, the, the trailer brothers, they were arrested for murder, and an inquiry was held before a justice of the peace, and Lincoln represented the, uh, the, the two trailer brothers. And so the, the Warren County brother, he was the prosecution star witness. So he witnesses the murder, the brothers disposing of the body in the pond, uh, but then a witness for the defense said that Fisher was actually alive. I saw him a week ago. So everyone was like, hmm, well, this is interesting. So, and since there was no body, and because of this one testimony, they ended up dropping the charges. So they were never indicted for murder. Um, and then a couple days later, uh, lo and behold, uh, Mr. Fisher shows up in Springfield. Ah. So, so there is no dead body. So, so that's, that's, uh, he was indeed alive. Yeah, and that's why you always see the prosecutors. They don't want to bring those charges until they find that body. Uh, and when they do, it's all it's all over. Um, very, very interesting. So, you know, we just have a few seconds left here. But Lincoln also handled a lot of cases before the Illinois Supreme Court, which is our state's highest court. Uh, it's, I see numbers of 400 cases. And, you know, I heard this, and I don't know if this is true. I've, I've been before the Illinois Supreme Court a couple of times. It's a, very, it's a real honor to practice there. It's a beautiful courtroom. And again, if you're ever in Springfield and are able to somehow walk in there and, and check out the courtroom, it's just a fabulous place. But um, did, is it true that the only person who argued more appeals before the Illinois Supreme Court was our Governor Jim Thompson? Uh, you know, uh, Governor Thompson was the chair of our commission for a year, for uh, yeah. quite a few years before before he passed away a couple of years ago. So it was very sad to lose him uh, as a friend and as a chair. And yeah, he said that on several occasions that he said that I've handled more cases at the Illinois Supreme Court more than anyone except for Abraham Lincoln. That's a, gr- um, that's a great honor. But, you know, I, I, I honestly don't know how many cases Governor Thompson had before the court. I know like the, the bulk of his cases came in the 1960s when he was the um, assistant state's attorney for Cook County. Um, and like you said, we know Lincoln handled more than 400. So, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to dispute Governor Thompson. <laughs> He's got probably he got a good know. count on the number of cases. He should know. Well, but he- we do know, actually, that there was one attorney who actually had more cases than Lincoln, a man by the name of Burton Cook. Um, this is when Illinois was divided into three. So there was a Supreme Court in um, Mount Vernon in Springfield and in Ottawa. 
and Burton Cook was an attorney in Ottawa and Chicago, and he handled many, many, many appeals. Well, appeal I think we're going to stick with I think we're going to stick with Jim Thompson and Abraham Lincoln. And and for people who don't know, Jim Thompson was an amazing lawyer. I'm just going to read one quote from Abraham Lincoln uh, talking about a lawyer. This is something that I have sitting on my desk. He said, "Discourage litigation, persuade your neighbors to compromise whenever you can. Point out to them how the nominal winner is often a real loser in fees." expenses and a waste of time as a peacemaker the lawyer has a superior opportunity of being a good man there will be business enough john lupton thank you so much for joining us on the karen conti show take care i appreciate you having me karen